Hi there. Welcome to the Praying Christian Women podcast. I'm Alana here with Jamie. How's it going, Jamie? It's going well. We are glad to be here and glad that you are listening and joining us. We have a coffee break episode today. So if you're new to our show, big hello. Our coffee breaks are where we take questions or topics that you send in to us at questions, no, prayingchristianwomen.com slash questions, right? Mm -hmm. Yep, right you are. And then Jamie and I just get to show up and chat about what's on your heart. So I'm excited for it. Yeah, me too. And this is a, you know, we're going to be talking about difficult marriages, you know, and uh, we've had episodes where we've touched on different aspects of difficulties in marriage, but it's just, it's never, never gets old. It's always good to talk about and put in the forefront of our minds for those of us that are married. And I will say for any of you out there that are not married, this is still going to be valuable because it's just going to be talking about conflict and, and mm -hmm. how do you pray in a difficult relationship. So um, whether it's marriage, friendship, uh, yeah. a romantic partner, whatever it is, these are all tools that we can all apply in, in our discussion. Yeah. Well, let's go ahead and open with a word of prayer and then we'll dive in. You yeah. want to pray for us? Sure. God, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for another opportunity to focus on marriage. Um, and, and for those of us that are not married, just to focus on relationships and how we can glorify you, even in difficult ones, and, and how we can pray and work through these difficult situations that we find ourselves in. Lord, we just pray that your spirit would be present, that you would go before us in everything that we say and just the direction of the conversation, even that it would just be exactly what someone needs to hear today. And we pray you'd be glorified in it. And we thank you for being just here with us, Lord, in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. We do have a verse of the day, which is kind of, um, usually we don't, um, for our, our coffee breaks, but I threw one in and it's just one that you may have heard before, but I just thought it would be one relative to marriage that would be good. Um, it is first Peter three and it says wives in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. When they see the purity and reverence of your lives, your beauty should not come from outward adornment, such as elaborate hairstyles and the wearing of gold jewelry or fine clothes. Rather, it should be that of your inner self, the unfading beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is of great worth in God's sight. And you may or may not, you know, the, our, our question is today, how do you pray and be, be consistent in prayer in a difficult marriage? How do you stay faithful to God and faithful to, um, to prayer, even when you're really tested and challenged and you may or may not have an unbelieving spouse. You can, there are plenty of Christian marriages that have conflict. So, but I just think, you know, regardless of whether your husband believes or doesn't believe God's word we can win over our husbands or, or in our relationships by living out our lives, you know, not, and that I think just for me personally kind of is convicting because nagging tends to be my, you know, first route of <laughs> attack mm, right. and that that's not going to win anyone over, but living a life that's dedicated to God. Like I think the first step in any relationship improving is us looking inside of ourselves and, and having a right relationship with God first, before we even address, how do we have a better relationship with other people? I think that's really important to mention starting out. And I think that we also need to go into this conversation, remembering that praying for our marriage is for 
our relationship with God and for our heart. Mm-hmm. I think that it's manipulative and selfish to only pray so that your husband will stop doing the things that really bug you. <laughs> and that might be where most people start, right? And like, it's okay if you're annoyed, if you're frustrated, if you're hurt, if you're heartbroken, you know, wherever you might fall on that spectrum, mm-hmm. take those feelings, God, but remember the goal is to grow closer to God and to allow him to nurture your soul and speak to your heart about your situation. The goal isn't to have him take an eraser and get rid of all of the things that you dislike about your relationship at the moment. Yep. Well said. Well, do you want to do our just for fun before we jump into any more discussion about marriage? Let's do it, but I'm changing it up because I know how much you love getting put on the spot when you're not ready for it. No, do it. Because I was thinking about that. I'm like, I think we've both shared our stories about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the just for fun in the outline is like, how did you meet your spouse? But yeah, we've talked about that. And I know your story. What I don't know is what is the most ridiculously stupid thing you and your husband have ever argued about? Oh, pizza. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was one of our first fights. And I can't, I don't even know if we were married. We may not have, I think it was our, you know what? We were married. And I remember, so we used to be roadies for a Christian band in our young years. We would, I I use that term loosely, we didn't travel all over the country. Um, It's a band called Fear of Isaac and Uh locally they were well-known and well-followed in the Fredericksburg, Virginia area. And actually (laughs) in just Northern Virginia in general, um, kind of the DC scene, like they opened for some pretty well-known bands in a couple of, um, uh, what do you call them? Uh, the band, like when the bands get together for a festival, like different uh-huh. Christian festivals. Right. Right. So like my husband got to meet like someone from audio adrenaline and stuff like that. Uh-huh. So, but, um, they, uh, it was a really fun band and my husband, so Matt did, uh, sound and that's mm-hmm. how he really learned how to do sound. He's done sound for our church, for our youth groups mm-hmm. that we've worked at. He loves to do music recording. So he actually helped with the production of their, their CDs. Oh. And, and he's really good at it. He's very gifted at hearing. He doesn't play any instruments, but he's gifted at music in that way. Mm-hmm. So we kind of would go around every weekend. We would go travel with them and, um, you know, wherever they happen to be. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't that far, but we would go and, um, I would sell CDs in the back and, uh, and he would do the sound and then we would kind of help them out with getting set up and stuff and tearing down. It was That's really cool. fun. And they were some good friends of ours. So, um, they actually, so I'm going to do a plug. If you go to Netflix, you can find, um, Reparando is, uh, is a video. It's a documentary that he actually went with this. It wasn't the whole band, but many of the members of the band did it. And the lead singer, Scott Moore of the band and the guy that put it all together, he and his wife, Amelia, um, produced this video. And it was, they went on a mission trip to Guatemala and did this documentary about Guatemala. And they actually have two boys that they've adopted from Guatemala. Wow, they neat. have a real heart for that. But anyway, go on Netflix and look up Reparando. It's an awesome uh, documentary. And Matt was involved in video and not maybe production. Um, anyway, we were having dinner with the band one night at a pizza place and we, I think we were newly married and we're sitting around the table and ordering pizza. And he said, Hey, you want to split a pizza? And I said, Oh, sure. And I wanted the Greek pizza because I Uh like feta cheese and Kalamata olives and spinach and all that stuff. And I said, how about the Greek? And he's like, Oh, I'm never going to, I don't want to eat that. You know, I I want the meat lovers or something. And 
it became an argument. And I think we were tired. We'd been traveling and we mm -hmm. just, we like, I remember being so mad, but it was one of our, just the silliest thing to fight over pizza. I mean, could you not get half and half? But I remember him <laughs> right. saying something like, if we can't even agree on a pizza, then what hope does our marriage have? Oh, no. Something like that. You that know, our, our yeah. relationship. And yeah. So we both were just kind of like, so pizza is my short answer to my <laughs> long winded response. How about you yeah. guys? One of our first, we were engaged and Scott knew that one of my favorite novels was Crime and Punishment. And so he read it. And he interpreted the ending, like the exact opposite from how I interpreted the ending. And so, oh, so tell me how fight. you interpreted it. Cause that's okay. one of my favorite books. It's been a long time since I've read it, but I, yeah. So if people haven't read it, Crime and Punishment is a 19th century Russian classic. It's about this man who goes and for no real reason kills two old women, kind of just to prove that he's sort of above the law. And then the rest of the story is all about his twisted soul and his guilt-ridden conscience and this kind of bumbling detective who's trying to catch him. And at the very end, he confesses. And then there's an epilogue where we finally see him like feel remorseful for what he's done. Scott didn't even read the epilogue. <laughs> and he, so my argument was like, no, of course I don't agree that Raskolnikov was right in murdering these women. That wasn't my argument. My argument was the author wrote Raskolnikov to be a character that readers sympathized with, right? Like not even that he was innocent, but he was sympathizable. And my husband's much more black and white. And so in his mind, there's no redemption for someone like Raskolnikov. So yeah, that was our big fight. No, I, I, and you know what? I just wonder if it has to do with our empathy strength, I mean, does Scott have empathy exactly. high no. up or not? <laughs> no, it's like one of his bottom two. <laughs> yeah. So I could see that being the mm -hmm. way that you read it and the way you identify with it. Even if he had read the epilogue, I could see him yeah. coming away. Like there's no way I could even remotely relate to this character yeah. who broke the law in such a heinous right. way. Right. So, it's, it's black and white. And you yeah. and I, even when we talk about prayer, we don't give too many black and whites. We don't give too many mm -hmm. ultimatums. And so, yeah, that's uh that's our, our big geeky argument. I love it. I just love that it was over crime and punishment because I, <laughs> yeah. I loved that book in high school and I wrote a poem. That was the first poem like that I ever wrote as an assignment and I came away like yeah. loving poetry. And wow. so I wrote this poem about Raskolnikov. I wish I could find it. That'd um, be cool. Yeah. Yeah. It was cool. But anyway. On a somewhat aside before we dive into prayers for difficult marriages, if crime and punishment had not been written, I would not be married to Scott today. That's Have right. I told you that whole train of thought? Yeah. So, well, I read, I read it. I think I read it in one of your newsletters. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I read it in high school, decided I loved Russian literature. So I read a whole bunch of Russian literature, fell in love with Russian culture, which is what led me to decide to go on a mission trip to Russia. I didn't meet Scott on the mission trip, but I met him a couple months after because I was looking for other mission trips to go back to Russia. And he was one of the people that I contacted about the organization he was working with. So yeah, we, we owe our marriage to crime and punishment. <laughs> and thankfully you don't owe the demise of your marriage to That's your right. disagreement over. It was the start and the end of our relationship. <laughs> All yeah. right. 
Okay. Joking aside, let's talk about difficult marriages. Yeah. Which is no joke. I mean, we're going to keep it light, but it's not a joke. If you're in a marriage and it's difficult and, you know, we get emails all the time for, um, I would say there's one, one of our either emails in our sequence, or maybe it's a blog post. I just, it's it, when things get worse after you pray mm-hmm. and we get a lot of emails that that really hits a chord with some people, women and men, we've gotten uh, just even recently a, a man asking for prayer for his marriage, for his wife. And, um, but marriages are one of the number one and relationships are one of the number one things that we get. We hear back from on the, like when things get worse after you pray. And so I just know that, you know, difficulties in marriage is a very painful can be very painful. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. So where do we want to kind of start this conversation with? Well, maybe what, what constitutes a difficult marriage? Cause there's a huge broad spectrum. And I have a feeling that some people might be afraid to acknowledge or like be on board, like, Oh, this applies to me because they mm-hmm, think maybe their mm-hmm. problems are too small because there are some very huge problems you have, you know, on one end of the spectrum of difficult marriage, you could have an, an unbelieving spouse who's hostile to your faith, who makes fun of you all the time for your faith and, mm-hmm. and makes it difficult for you to have a relationship with God. That's very, you know, huge. Um, another difficulty could be um, if you have a, an addiction in yeah. your marriage that you're dealing with, or, you know, mm-hmm. some kind of substance abuse situation um, or pornography addiction or infidelity, or maybe you're separated or, um, or even on the verge of divorce. You know, these are, these are on one end of the spectrum of difficulties and they're huge. If you're on that end of not being in that category of having huge problems, you could probably have situations like maybe you, uh, just aren't on the same page a lot. Maybe you're just very Mm -hmm. different people. Um, To be honest, when I, when I thought of this, how to pray for difficult marriages, my thought was every marriage is difficult. I mean, yeah, every marriage has difficulties. Yeah. I guess we should say that Mm -hmm. because I just, I have never, I've met people that have said our marriage, God has brought our marriage from a very dark place to just very joyful place. But I still like, if you're in that day to day of that marriage, Every marriage has difficulties. Um, so maybe we should rephrase this, how to pray for difficulties in marriage yeah, or, or I like that. how to pray through difficult times in your marriage, maybe. Cause mm-hmm. yeah. 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 Marriages do go through seasons. I yeah. know I was surprised as a young adult, newishly wed when I realized that not every single time we came across a marriage difficulty, did that mean that at least one of us was being sinful, right? Like let's take you and me because our relationship doesn't have as much baggage as like a 16 year or a 25 year marriage does, but you know, really good friends for 10 plus years or so. Um, Let's say that we had a disagreement because you wanted to start podcasting twice a week. And I really don't want to start podcasting twice a week. This is all hypothetical. It doesn't mean that one of us is wrong and one of us is right. It doesn't mean that one of us is being selfish and sinful and the other one has a voice of God. 
it could just mean that you want to do two and I want to do one, right? Like with the pizza thing, it wasn't like you sinned against your husband or fiance by wanting the Greek. And it wasn't that he was being sinful to you by thinking that Greek pizza sounds a little bit disgusting. Now, like if it turned into something where you're hurting each other's feelings or something, you're accountable for that. But I think I grew up with such a fear of conflict that it was very eye-opening and surprising for me to learn that two people could be in disagreement and neither one of them is actually like wrong with a capital W in the eyes of the Lord. Now, sometimes mm. one or both people are going to be, but sometimes it's just, I want a white lab. I want a black lab. What are you going to do? You know, <laughs> obviously you get the black lab. That's right. <laughs> Name him Archie. That's just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> But yeah, no, I totally agree. And I, like, I, I think that some of the, I don't know, just some of the, some of the advice in terms of just practical things during difficult times in marriages is being willing to concede or being willing to see the other side. And, you know, even as someone who does have strong empathy as a strength, which, you know, I still find it hard in my marriage to exercise that. So it's hard enough for someone that has no empathy to be able to see the other person's side. Um, like I know my husband is very, I would guess he's never done the, the Clifton strengths test, but mm-hmm. I would guess he's very low in empathy. We joke a lot because one time he did a like spiritual giftings test right. and it said that one of his strengths was grace and uh-huh. he laughed out loud. He was <laughs> like, like, yeah, maybe that, that is wrong. Which question did I, you know, write <laughs> C when I meant B because yeah, that right. is not one of mine. And that's funny, but it's true. He will tell you he's not empathetic. He is very mm-hmm. black and white. He believes that his position on many things or the way that he does things, this is where we have conflict. The mm-hmm. way that he does things, his systems, the order in which he'll go about something He's mm-hmm. constantly like he, he kind of is like, if, if I would say there's one thing that, that is a pet peeve, it's when I don't do things the way he would like them to be done. Mm-hmm. So for him, it's hard enough to break out of that, like not seeing all sides thing. Um, and, and, but it's hard for everyone, no matter where you are just in a marriage, when you're in that close relationship. So I think step mm-hmm. one is really trying very hard to give, you know, to, to give, even when the other person isn't willing to give, you know, you talk about meeting someone halfway. Well, sometimes you got to meet them all the way or at the very least um, bend more in the beginning to, I don't know, sometimes. Now, this is this is not always the case, but just, mm-hmm. just try and extend that olive branch and make a way for communication to happen. Does that make sense? Like to even start the conversation, sometimes you need to be like, I understand what you're saying. Let's, let's start there. Sometimes what Scott and I will do, it's, we will try to reframe what the other one is saying. Cause sometimes like we will have fights where I'm talking about one thing and he's talking about something else. So I think we're fighting about W and he thinks we're fighting about 13, right? Like it's that we different have that too, all the time. <laughs> yeah. and, and we're so, kind of saying the same thing, but in different ways. Yeah. And so it feels like a conflict. Right. So sometimes we'll, we'll kind of take a step back and say, okay, I think you're saying that you get your feelings hurt when this happens. And then he'll say, actually, that's not at all what I'm saying. What I'm really saying is this, right? So sometimes, yeah, even, even if you're not doing that verbal 
processing out loud to do it mentally. Okay, what's he saying? What what am I hearing? Um, now let's go ahead and just throw out our huge asterisk. If you have listened to our podcast, you already know the asterisk, <laughs> but we're not talking about wives in abusive homes feeling like they're totally stuck and totally trapped. And the only godly thing to do is to accept violence and abuse. Um, that's probably for right now, as deep as we can go into that situation. But that is an area where I get really, really passionate because a lot of pastors are going to give battered wives the wrong advice. And I'm going to go ahead and call this one a black and white. <laughs> we just talked about how you and I don't get too black and white about things. But yes, the Bible tells us to love our husbands. The Bible tells us to respect our husbands. The Bible teaches that God hates divorce. But that is not a reason for a battered woman to continue living in danger or to continue having her kids live in danger. I'm also not saying that if you know somebody who's in an abusive situation that you look down your nose at her and say, why doesn't she just leave? Because it's way more complicated than that. But we just want to throw that out so that it becomes more mainstream in the Christian church. Jamie and I will talk about things like submission. We'll talk about things like a husband's role as a leader in the family. And we're also going to tell <laughs> the church and everybody listening, if you've got a friend or a loved one who is feeling torn because she doesn't know if she's supposed to leave her abusive husband, that's a woman who needs support and not condemnation and who needs to be told that it is okay to put yourself in a safe situation. Yes, we actually, we have a really great interview coming out in September um, with Charlene Quint, who is a, uh, has written just an amazing re reference book about uh, abuse in, in Christian marriage. Well, not just in Christian marriages, but, mm -hmm. you know, from a Christian perspective, how to recognize and address abuse in in a marriage that's yeah. uh, I, her conversation was just really eye-opening and also encouraging and, and had some really good practical advice, but anyway. Wonderful. I'm so glad that's coming up. Cause yeah, mm -hmm. I think that that is conversations that needs to be regularly happening. Mm -hmm. All right. I'm off my soapbox. Where were we? I am off of my notes. So, I mean, <laughs> so I think we're totally we, winging it. <laughs> we were just, we were just d discussing how, to identify, you know, different types of difficulties in marriages and, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know, then what are the first steps? So what are, what would you say if you're, if you're encountering difficulties, whether they're small difficulties, like, you know, I, I we, we just aren't on the same page intimately or we, mm. and that's not small, but it's not, <laughs> that's not small. That's in the middle, I would say. Cause it's, well, it could be at the top. Depending on, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, anyway, okay, no, I get sorry. what you're saying. Okay. But, you know, or, or let's yeah. say toothpaste, you know, the, the cap on the toothpaste is mm -hmm. a constant source of struggle and I don't know how to get the bitterness out of there. You know, when right, I right. see the, yeah. So <laughs> What do we, what's a first step in conflict? Yeah. So I think one of the most important questions that you can ask the Lord in prayer is what responsibility for the conflict is on my shoulders. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's all going to be you, right? Like for, in my opinion, if your husband doesn't put, like we had this conversation, like the day we got married, Scott's like, 
I'm not going to put the seat down. That's not going to be a fight we're going to have. I'm going to put the seat up for me. That means you can put the seat down for you. Like I am not going to be the seat police and I am not going to be seat policed. And it's never been an issue because I don't really care. (laughs) Right. So if it's something like he does something like he leaves his socks, you know, on the floor and you hate it. And no matter how many times you ask him politely, they still end up there, but it, like it gets blown into a huge thing. In my opinion, that's probably mostly you. Yeah. Like if you could snap your fingers and make your husband see that the socks are there, I'm sure he would. And I'm sure to you, it feels like you are being disrespected and it feels like if he really loved you, he would notice it too. 99 times out of 99.5 two times. It's just that he doesn't see the silly socks. And so sometimes I think the most important thing to ask the Lord when you go to prayer about an issue is how much of this responsibility is mine. And let's flip-flop it. Let's let's give an example of a time where you have no responsibility. There are going to be women who get their feathers a little bit ruffled when I say this, but if your husband goes out and has an affair, that is his responsibility and not yours. Like one thing that I hate, I hate when people talk about celebrities. And so like, I'm really bad with celebrity names, but let's say that, you know, um, Jenny Jones is a beautiful, you know, Hollywood star and her husband cheats on her. People say things like, how could you cheat on Jennifer Jones? Right. As if like, she's so pretty, she can't be cheated on. That has nothing to do with it. So now, here's, here's why some women get their feathers ruffled when I say something like that. Some women are going to say, yeah, but maybe if you had created a better home environment, he wouldn't have done this. Maybe if you had been more open in the bedroom, he wouldn't have done this. And you know what? Maybe you do. Let me talk to Jenny Jones now. I think that's a superhero name, isn't it? I don't even know. I know Peter Parker is a... <laughs> superhero. Yeah. I don't know about Jenny Jones. It sounds good. I think I'm I thinking okay. of Jenny Craig. She's weight loss though. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway. Jenny Jones, whoever she is, her husband's cheated on her and she's saying, okay, if I had only done this, this, and this, then he wouldn't have done the same thing with pornography. That's where your mind is programmed to go. If I had done these things, my husband would not do these things. And what I would encourage Jenny to remember is that her husband's behavior is totally on him. Now, here's what Jenny has to do. She has to realize she did not force her husband to have an affair. She didn't hold the gun to his head and say, I command that you sin against me in this way by destroying the sacred vows that we made to each other before God and before our family members. But here's what else she needs to do. She needs to search her heart. Say, okay, where am the question isn't where did I go wrong? What could have I done better? That's not the question, but the question is what Uh, bitterness do I need to let go of now? What areas do I need to confess, right? So we need to separate when your husband sins against you, whether it's a small thing like failing to put the socks in the laundry bin or a huge thing like going out and being unfaithful to you. I think the first question really needs to be what's on him, what's on me. And I think we need to erase this notion that We've got all the power. If I had only been a better housekeeper, he wouldn't have gone and had an affair. Like how many people think that? Like as if the fact that you've got dust on your shelves 
made your husband go and cheat on you, right? But but that's seriously, and, and what's even said, oh, if I had only not gained this weight after the pregnancy, my husband would have gone, no, if he's, <laughs> if he's having an affair, that is on him, that's not on you. And even, even, you know, in the bedroom kinds of things, right? Like a lot of women are going to say, okay, well, if I had only engaged with him more or, you know, been more willing to do this or that, he wouldn't have had an affair. Here's what I say. Hypothetically, let's say you get into a car accident and you're paralyzed and you can never be intimate with your husband again. He's still before God morally required to be faithful to you. (laughs) It's going to be sad. It's going to cause frustration. Same thing if, you know, that happened to him and then you're stuck in, not stuck. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to use that word. But now your, your vow was for better or worse sickness and health. And so it has nothing to do with how often you're intimate. And so that's, that's where I would start, whether it's a big thing or a little thing, what is my responsibility to confess before God? And what can I let go of? Because I think as women, we're just used to carrying all the guilt, right? My husband came home in a terrible mood. He snapped at the kids. He was mad at the dog. And oh no, what did I do wrong, right? I could have prevented this. And sometimes we just need to say, you know what? Okay, the house wasn't as clean as I could have made it. The kids weren't as quiet as I could have asked them to be. But you know what? The fact that he came home and was such a jerk, it's his fault. Right. Right. And I think on top of that, there's this other thing of, okay, what could I have done? And then there's also sometimes either simultaneously or instead of, or in addition to how can I fix this? Yes. And -hmm. putting that on to yourself, how can I, uh, like taking on the emotional burden of Mm -hmm. making something right. That's not on you. Right. Right. And that's, that is a false responsibility also. And I mean, I think we all probably struggle with that because it's hard, you know, in one way we're one flesh, right. And it's, so sometimes I think Mm -hmm. we lump ourselves together in our marriages and it is hard to kind of maintain those separate entities and like, you know, realize that there is still a separation when it comes to Mm -hmm. responsibility for actions, I am not responsibility for my husband's actions. He's not responsible for mine and we need to own that. And I think that's a healthy delineation. Absolutely. I think a way to check and see if you're falling into that trap. And I'm going to guess that, you know, a lot of Christian women fall into this trap, myself included. It's when you start apologizing for things that truly are not sins against your husband. Like we talked before on the show about like how sorry is such a blanket word. Cause sometimes it means I regret this happened to you. Sometimes it means I accept responsibility for this terrible thing and ask your forgiveness. <laughs> right. And I think too often we rush into harmony mode. Let's just keep the peace. Let's avoid the conflict. And so we will apologize for things that are not our responsibility And so, I mean, and of course there's going to be other personalities where you're, you're far too quick to blame your husband for things that really are on you. I think you just need to know your own heart, which side of that spectrum you fall on and try to get to a a little happier medium, but yeah, accepting, accepting blame when it's truly not meant to be blame on you or casting blame on your husband. And really, you know what, it's kind of on you. Those are both, um, the, the, the two sides of the, of the fence that we, we want to stay away from. Yeah. But it sounds like number one thing to do is pray. 
and just get yourself in a place where you're willing to hear from God about all of it. And yeah. that takes and being alone with God. It takes quiet time. It doesn't take, you know, I think the temptation is to go talk to a friend. It's always my, you know, like, okay, I want to talk to you about a lot of times, Alana, mm -hmm. it's you. If, if I have mm -hmm. stuff going on, I'll be like, okay. Yeah. I'm, and, and sometimes even, and it's not bad. I mean, no, no. God gave us friendship. We yeah. need that, but we also mm -hmm. need that alone time. And, you know, yeah. um, as number one. Yeah. And I think the focus, at least the initial focus of the prayer, if we're going to give like a formula, which we never give, <laughs> go ahead and vent to God, you know, mm -hmm. go ahead and tell him about your frustrations or your hurts or your anger. Um, we did an entire episode on like letting go the 10 steps of forgiveness is I think mm -hmm. is what it was called. And, yeah. and the beginning of that process really is acknowledging your anger, your hurts, all of those things that we try to just stuff down and not ever acknowledge. So go ahead and do any venting that needs to get done in your prayer time. And then I would say, yeah, go to God. What do I need to confess? And so again, like this isn't jumping into God, please teach him to put his silly socks in the dumb hamper, right? Like that, those kinds of prayers don't really, sure. I mean, go ahead and do it. God, God's willing to hear any of our prayers. But to me, it just reminds me of Jamie, when your kids pray for the happy meal toy, you know, it's kind of like, sure, tell God what you want, but this isn't, this isn't the way to heal a marriage with prayer is by just asking God to change the things about your husband that bother you. And, right. and I think that comes across as fairly manipulative and selfish. If that is your only focus. I agree. Well, I think sort of the next logical step is after going to God, after kind of sorting things out and maybe filtering out some of the stuff that is on you and, mm -hmm. and is very obviously mm -hmm. on you. I think it would be very important um, to have godly counsel and choosing, mm -hmm. choosing someone or someones um, to talk to uh, that are going to hold you accountable, that are not going to just sit and gossip and, and like, uh, try to one up. Oh, well, your husband did this. Can you wait till you hear what mine did? That's the worst. Right. Like or that be can yes happen. men and be like, oh girl, you just leave him. He yeah. doesn't deserve you, you know? Or, you know, even if you're not being encouraged to leave your husband, like if, if you've got a group of girlfriends where like 25% or more of your conversation are things that annoy you about your husband's, that's a really, uh, I don't want to overuse the word, but I'll go ahead and use it. Like that's a toxic relationship with those girlfriends, right? Because if you only focus on all the things that drive you crazy about your husband, those are the only things that you're going to see. Whereas if you're, if you have a friend where you're able to talk about the good and the bad, that's going to really, really help you. Um, and, and so that's another thing I would, I would, when you're at those moments, when you're frustrated or hurt by some of these difficulties that come up in marriage, I would for sure go to the Lord and in your time of prayer, thank him and praise him for every single quality you can think of about your husband, right? That focuses your attention off of this one little thing that really, really bugs you. And, and it reminds you, you know what? Yeah, he, he hurts my feelings because he's got a short temper, but he is an amazing dad, right? How many of us would be willing, like if we had to choose, right? You can have a husband who every so often he's going to say something that hurts your feelings. 
or somebody who never hurts feelings, but's a terrible dad, right? Like we, we want what's good for our kids, right? So sometimes even if it's kind of, okay, yeah, he does do these things, but these are the things I love about it. And if your marriage has been in a really difficult place, and if you've been really, really, really hurt, don't feel bad if you've got to start with like thanking God for things that sound ridiculous. Like, well, God, he hasn't gotten a speeding ticket since the whole time we've been married, right? Like <laughs> you might feel like you're scraping the bottom of the barrel, but I absolutely promise when you start focusing on the things that you can thank God for, it's not ignoring the fact that you've got difficulties in your marriage. It's not pretending that he's an infallible human being. It's not even putting your own needs aside, your needs for someone to be loving and kind, but it's acknowledging, okay, I have these issues about these things over here, but I'm really thankful for this side of things over here. Yeah. And that can be very powerful. Just the, you know, to, I guess they would be considered affirmations of, you mm-hmm. know, this is just choosing to speak or think or write yeah. or whatever, the things that are positive about your husband or your marriage. And mm-hmm. if you absolutely rack your brain and you can't think of a single positive thing, then you can pray blessings on yeah. your husband and, mm-hmm. and not mm-hmm. the, you know, um, I don't know, not like the, the manipulative prayers of, Oh God, please make him make him patient, please. <laughs> right, 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 this right. and that, but blessings, God, yeah. wash over him with your blessings, bless him financially, bless him in his work, bless him mm-hmm. in his, in his emotions and his thought life and his, you know, whatever. Um, and I just think that's so important. And, and your other point about what you think is what you become, you know, it's like, yeah. the, and that's in the Bible and I don't know where it is. It's in Proverbs somewhere where, you know, as you mm-hmm. think, so mm-hmm. you are so, uh, and, and what you think about your husband ultimately becomes the way you view him and, and you yeah. can change that. You can really you can. change that. And God mm-hmm. can change that through yeah. prayer, through affirming the and positives it might not be and Thanksgiving. Easy. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that if you have marriage difficulties that you're failing as a wife or that you're failing as a prayer. Um, one other thing I want to bring up is this idea of praying for your husband as a different type of prayer as praying for your marriage. Like Mm. I do think of them as two very different things. That's a good point. Um, whether or not I am married to him, my husband is an individual that I can pray for. I can pray for his health. I can pray for his job. I can pray for his, um, spiritual life. When I pray for our marriage, I'm not praying for my husband. Like I'm actually thinking about it as I am praying for something totally separate. Like sometimes when I'm in bed and, you know, getting ready to sleep, like actually picture, cause you know, like I like to have a picture of what I'm praying for, kind of like what we've talked about with praying with your imagination or like even praying off an avatar, right? Mm-hmm. So like maybe I'm praying for Jamie, but I'm picturing like the different parts of my body to remind me of things to pray for Jamie's health or things like that. Um, And so like, I will picture the space between my husband and me, which it's summer right now as we're recording. It's still really hot. So we we try to keep a lot of space between us when we can, when we're trying to fall asleep. I think about that space as representing like our, our marriage. And so I will actually like pray over, I'll picture that space and it's different than praying for my husband. It's praying for our marriage. And when you start looking at it like that, it also helps you to, um, to do things that are going to be good for your marriage and not just good for keeping the peace, right? Like you talked at at 
the start of the episode about, yeah, sometimes you might need to give more than 50%, right? And I, I will agree totally with that, but I think that most of us as Christian women are programmed to just give and 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 give, when sometimes that's not going to be, it might be the best for the moment. It might be what makes our husband happy in the moment, but if it's not the thing that's best for our marriage, then that's another aspect. So So as an example, like let's say your husband wants to uh, spend a lot of money on a really big purchase and you're not convinced it's the best idea. You don't feel secure and safe in that decision. So yeah, sometimes the thing to do is going to be to say, okay, it's not what I would do, but you know what? Like we're in this together and he's, he's decided this is what he wants to do. But sometimes it's, um, it's saying, you know what, this is a harder choice for me right now because it's hard for me to, speak my mind. It's hard for me to make waves. It's hard for me to put my foot down. Right. Like that's real. Like I even hate that phrase as a Christian wife. Like I think I used it once and it had to do with like, we are not getting any more puppies till the ones we have our house trained. Like that was the only time I've used that phrase, like, and meant it. But if you stop thinking about like what my husband wants and you think about what does our marriage need? What does our marriage want? Sometimes it helps you discern if it's time to just keep the peace and let your husband do what your husband's going to do and not make a big deal about it. Or if it's time to really have a conversation that might feel hard, like let's take the socks, for example, socks on the floor, annoy me, but it's not a deal breaker in my marriage. If my husband was going to change it, he would have by now. So I just don't really think about it. Now, if it got to where every single day I saw socks on the floor and I was getting bitter and I was having a horrible time letting go. And to me, seeing the socks on the floor was a visual representation of all the times I've asked my husband to be considerate of me. And he hasn't, that's not how it is at all. But if, if I noticed that that's, what was going on? Well, then it would be an indication that what is best for my marriage is for us to work through this as opposed to what's best for, for me or what's best for my husband or what's best for keeping the peace is to just ignore it. Yeah. And I think that if you go into, I mean, there's so many variables, like you can't just do a blanket thing for everyone. Cause like you said, I mean, there are, there are times to choose your battles. I think there's, it's always Mm -hmm. a time to choose your battles. I think that's one important thing is maybe sit down with God and just Mm -hmm. go through, if you've got a laundry list of stuff that is just bugging you. And, and, you know, I think most of us might have one or two, but if you have a whole bunch and you're just like, I can't stand this guy (laughs) Mm -hmm. and maybe make a list of those things. Not that we want to focus on the negative, but to purge it from your body Mm -hmm. (laughs) and go through with God and say, okay, I know that I can't just give all of this over. It's too Mm -hmm. much, but are there things in here where I can choose my battles and I can say, you know what? The socks, I can walk by and pick them up or I can get Mm -hmm. the kids to go through and pick up laundry or whatever it is that you're going to do. Is there an easy workable solution where my husband doesn't have to change anything Mm -hmm. so that I can choose a battle that's more important to me? Um, Mm -hmm. I think that could be a a healthy exercise, which brings me to the fact that 
counseling is available and might be really beneficial in many cases, even for marriages. Like I know our pastor and his wife in Arizona were very, very vocal about we go to counseling. We don't have a horrible marriage. Right. But part of that is because we go to counseling. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It's like the person who goes to the, the doctor's office once a year and like, oh, Jamie's sick. She went to the doctor. Well, no, Jamie wants to remain healthy. Therefore, she goes she to the up. doctor. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I think there is a stigma with counseling and yeah. not every husband, not every wife is going to be open to it. But if you are, I mean, it's, it's available and out there and a very helpful tool to go to someone. Even if your spouse isn't on board, you can go yourself and have someone that can help you kind of work through your individual things that we can't cover here on the podcast because we are not counselors. We are not licensed therapists. We can't offer that kind of help. So we're, you know, but we can point you to counseling if that's something, if you find your list is just too long or every single day is a struggle, it might be Mm -hmm. time to consider. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the thing, like baggage gets carried, right? So Mm -hmm. the, the toothpaste issue or the toilet seat issue, like the issue is never the issue. The issue isn't the toilet seats up. The issue is I want you to be considerate of me and what I have told you. I want you to hear me. I want to see you. And that's why, like, you've got to remember when your husband's upset with you, the issue isn't the issue, right? The issue might not be that your house is a mess when he comes home. The issue might be that like, he wants to come home and he wants your attention. He doesn't want you like buzzing around to every single room or something like that. So keep that in mind. And then just keep in mind, like your job is to live in a way where your conscience and the way you behave toward your husband is clear. Your job is not to make perfect marriage. Your job definitely isn't to make your husband perfect or sanctified. <laughs> That's the Holy Spirit's job mm-hmm. and will, will not be completed the side of heaven. Um, and so, I, and again, I, I really want to encourage women listening who haven't thought about it in this way to let go of guilt that is not yours to carry. You cannot change your husband's behavior. You can't change his attitudes. You can't change his habits. So the question isn't, how can I pray to make my husband stop smoking? (laughs) Right? The question is, first of all, how can I pray so that my husband can be freed and delivered from this addiction? Sure. Go ahead and ask God that and see what he tells you. But I think even more importantly is how can God be working in my heart in an unideal situation to teach me how to love and if we start to think about marriage as a tool for our sanctification, then we're not going to freak out when hard moments come because we realize like if, if we had really, really, really easy marriages, we wouldn't really have any reason to grow. And like, it's very easy for me to love Jamie, right? Like I've never once been mad at you. We've never once like yelled. (laughs) We don't swear each other out. We don't hang up the, like we really are great friends and always have it. And we don't do like catty, like, you know, back talking. We don't do any of that. It's easy because we don't have to live together. And because we don't have a romantic, you know, entanglement, (laughs) it's a lot harder when it's your husband, right? Because you can have like the most godly husband in the world. And there's still going to be things he does. They might not be sinful things, but there's still going to be things that bother you, right? We all come from different backgrounds. I would say the, the more different your husband's upbringing was from your own, the more these things might like bubble to the surface a bunch. Um, 
and it's just, it's all stuff to keep in mind. But I think that we as women really need to learn to let go of guilt that's not ours to let go of guilt. Yeah. My husband goes out and smokes. Okay. And so here's a lady. I'm not saying that for me, by the way, this is hypothetical, but like a lot of women in the church would be afraid to let other women in the church know that their husband smokes, right? Their thought would be, then people are going to know and they're going to say, oh, you, you like can't, what did Alana do wrong to marry a smoker? Or what did Alana do wrong to create an environment where her husband's so stressed he needs to smoke? Like that's the other thing we need to stop doing. We need to stop judging other women for their marriages, mm. right? When you hear about yes. the husband who abandons his wife and his family, and your first question is, I wonder what she did to make him leave her. <laughs> then you've got some judgy issues to, to get rid of and to work through with the Lord. Yeah, definitely. I, I think that's, that is a huge one is, you know, mm-hmm. on both sides, not to, not to be afraid to talk to others about things that you're struggling with. Um, yeah. And then, and, but also not to be judgy. <clears throat> On yeah. the other end of it. And let's remember yeah. amazing grace. Help yeah. each other. <laughs> yeah. Let's remember grace for people who have gone through divorce, right? Like, cause that's very taboo. And I, and I'm, I'm really conservative in my views on divorce and when, and if it's ever, uh, an okay step for a Christian couple to take, like I, I have pretty conservative views about it, but I also have extreme grace for people who have gone through it and, and that's lacking in a lot of church circles, you know, let's remember, like, it, it only takes one person to decide to get a divorce, right? So if this new single mom comes into your church, and all you know, is that she's divorced, most people, again, their questions, oh, well, you know, I wonder, I wonder what she did, or I wonder, you know, what was going on, you don't know her, you know, we, uh, we need to stop holding women accountable for their husband's behavior. And when we do that, that frees us up to not feel this excess guilt at our own husband's behavior. Like it's really disrespectful to your husband to pretend like you can control the things that he does. Right. Yeah. I'm not going to be the mother who, who nags my husband to pick up his socks off the floor. I'm never going to do that. Right. It's not my job. And if he's not going to pick them up, I'm going to find, I, tell the kids to do it, just like you mentioned, right? Like, okay, we don't have to fight about it. We don't have to worry about it. No big deal. So it's actually like for, for women who feel like they've got to force their husband to present a proper face at church or for women who feel judgy about other women's whose husbands aren't godly men, just remember like none of us can make our husbands do anything. And So let's remember tons of grace for like divorcees. Let's also remember grace because there are some couples who start off totally on the same page with the Lord. And then one of them for some reason or other falls away, right? Like that's one of the most tragic. Like if, if a, if two unbelievers get married and one of them becomes a Christian, then you know, there's going to be some differences because it's not what the unbeliever ever signed up for right? He didn't sign up to be married to a little church mouse. Right. Now, if though you start where you truly and heartfully believe you're on the same spiritual page as your husband and he falls away again, like it's heartbreaking, but 
you can't, you can pray for his relationship with the Lord. And I, I believe that a wife can pray for her husband with an anointing and a power and a boldness that nobody else, <laughs> except for maybe his mom can pray for him for, right? Um, so remember that side of it, but then also remember where your responsibility before God ends. You are not responsible for him maintaining a spiritual life and a spiritual walk. And so let's not be judgy of women whose, you know, husbands don't seem as godly as we think they should be. Yeah. Um, just as an aside, episode 71 is with Leslie Strobel of, uh, from like Lee Strobel, the case mm-hmm. that he did the case for Christ and the movie where basically he started off as an atheist and mm-hmm. she became a Christian after they got married. And that interview really addresses if you are living with an unbelieving spouse, how, you know, some very specific and encouraging, uh, advice for how yeah. to navigate that. Cause it is hard. Um, and you can even just grow in different directions, you know, like, yes. um, like just, you know, maybe, maybe you become a little more charismatic in the way you worship and your husband is like, mm-hmm. Whoa, where did that come from? Or yeah. maybe your husband, uh, gets super involved in the promise keepers. Is that dating myself? I don't even think they're still around, but <laughs> you know, and that's his group of men. And you're yeah. like, I don't like him spending all that time with, with them, you know, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. whatever it is, but you yeah. can, we all change <clears throat> yeah. and, and marriages don't stay the same because we're people and our prayer can be that we're growing closer to God and growing closer mm-hmm. together at the same time. But that doesn't always happen when the, sometimes you have growing pains. And yeah, for me, I think the biggest thing for me in our marriage that has like immediately righted my attitude at times when I felt really mad at my husband. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who told me this for the first time, but to stop seeing your husband as the enemy and realize that the enemy is trying to drive a wedge between the two of you. Mm-hmm. And that's what's happening. And yeah. so that just seeing him as my teammate, yeah. as my partner Absolutely. and seeing him as remembering he is not the enemy. And even mm-hmm. if it feels like he's being the enemy, what I've come to know about my husband, and I'm sure a lot of people are the same way is what, when he is afraid or sad about something, it comes out as anger. Mm -hmm. And so another way I can look at that is when he gets angry about something, I'd be like, what's he afraid of? Like, what's the root behind that, that he's afraid Mm -hmm. of, or what is he feeling sad about? What has disappointed him? Um, Mm -hmm. Or if he's wounded or if he's made a mistake and he's mad at himself, things like that. Like, yeah sometimes those end up being, so he's not the enemy. What's behind that? How is God seeing him right now? And how can I see him that way? And and how can that equip my prayers for him? It's almost like a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. I like that a lot. Well, anything else you want to add before we wrap up? I don't think so. I think there, you know, there's so many great resources for how to pray for your husband specifically. Uh, Maybe I'll just Mm -hmm. run down kind of a list of some different practical things and ways you can pray for your husband that I threw together. Um, And maybe I'll even make it like a PDF or something. I'm not going to guarantee that, but (laughs) I'll put that in the show notes if we have it. But, um, but just some specific prayers that you can be praying for your husband. Um, like Alana said, you can pray specifically for your marriage and protection from the enemy and pray for it as a, uh, an entity as opposed mm-hmm. to for him specifically, but for him, you can pray for his physical life and health for his spiritual life, his thought life. 
um, you could do a random blessings from A to Z over him. And you can, you know, challenge yourself to come up with a different type of blessing from A to Z. Um, mm-hmm. One thing, this is one that hits home, practice praying for him more than you complain about him in your head yeah. or to, to others. So every time you think, oh, I want to call so-and-so and complain, or, oh, I, I, I don't like this about him. Just try to check yourself and think, oh, wait, use that as a trigger to pray. Mm-hmm. Um, practice praying for him, even when he makes you angry. And the last thing you want to do is pray for him. Um, prayerfully choose a verse, like kind of a life verse to pray over him. And this could change depending on what his challenges are and his, and not one of the, you know, what, you know, heap, you know, not to heap uh, coals on his head, but to, right, right. <laughs> but, but to truly bless him and pray for him and, and lift him up and build him up. Um, mm-hmm. And then let him know you're praying for him. Even if he's not a believer, even if he's um, hostile, not well, maybe not, maybe not if he's hostile, you'll know if it's the right, you'll know, but, but just let him know you're praying for him. Even just Mm -hmm. say, Hey, I'm praying for you or send him a text with a prayer or an email or a note or write him a card or something, you know, just let him know that you're, you're praying for him and putting that time in. Yeah, no, I love that. And I just want to encourage women not to forget the influence that you do have on your husband. I think Esther is such a beautiful example of this, you know, she saved an entire race because of the godly influence that she exerted over her husband. She did it without nagging. (laughs) And I think that's huge to remember. And she did it with so much tact and grace and discernment and thoughtfulness. It wasn't mm -hmm. just like bulldozing her way. She really thought it out and planned it. Yeah. Timing is everything. Timing is everything. I, you know, some people laugh at her. They're like, so she prepared this feast for her husband and then she chickened out and didn't want to tell him and said, come back tomorrow for another feast. I really think that she just had the discernment to know, okay, now's not the right time to bring this up. Right. Been like, there. I totally agree with you because I've yeah. been there when it's like, yeah, mm-hmm. this just isn't right. And yeah. yeah. So just remember, you do have so much God-given influence over your husband in every aspect of his life, but that does not mean you're responsible for his behavior. I think that as long as you can like really fully understand both of those truths in the core of your being, then you're going to really be able to walk that line of knowing what's on you, what's on him. How can you pray for your marriage as an entity and not just focus on telling God the things you hate about him <laughs> and complaining to the Lord? Cause that's the other thing. Like, um, kind of like Adam in the garden of Eden when, when the Lord's like, what did you do after they ate the fruit? And Adam's like, well, you know, this woman you gave me, <laughs> right? Like we do that to Thanks God. Like, a lot. <laughs> yeah. This husband that you provided for me when I was single and lonely and begged you every single day for a storybook romance, you have socks <laughs> on the floor, right? Like, <laughs> Let's not, let's yeah. Cause like I said, totally fine to vents to God, but we want to move toward getting over those things and realizing what, what we can really pray for and what we can just let go of. Amen, sister. Awesome. Well, if you listening have any other topics that you would like us to cover, Jamie and I love doing the coffee break episodes just because they're relaxed. They actually really also help us know the topics that are on your heart so that we can keep on creating content that's going to be the most applicable for you. So you can submit any topic suggestions or specific questions to prayingchristianwomen.com slash questions. There, there will be times where if it's like a, a really, really, really specific question, 
question or something that's probably something that we will allow like your pastor who knows your situation or something. But if it's, if it's something that we feel comfortable and competence to address, we absolutely want to. So thanks again for joining us and have a great day. Thanks for joining us on today's episode of the Praying Christian Women podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a comment to let us know what questions or topics we can address in future shows. Then hop over to prayingchristianwomen.com slash journal to download your free prayer guide. We're so glad you joined us for today's show, and we wish you God's deepest blessings as you draw closer to Him and change the world one prayer at a time.